This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between the student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. For more information and to see more student work, visit garnetmedia.org. Hey guys, welcome to Adventures Beyond the Coop, the podcast where we hear from former and current Gamecocks who've done something a little wild. I'm your host, Chloe Barlow. If you like going on adventures, getting outside, or just want to hear a good story, you're in luck. This is the podcast where we know sometimes you have to get lost to find yourself. We are officially on our fifth episode now, and so far we've talked a lot about all the crazy, cool adventures off of campus. In this episode, we talked to Ben Kelly about the ways to get involved on campus and how he took those experiences into the real world. Ben graduated back in 2020, but while he was still at Carolina, he worked for the university's outdoor recreation department in the gear shop and on the rock wall. We get to hear about all the unique things the university does to lower the barrier to entry for outdoor sports, like renting equipment out for cheap and leading students on adventure trips. And we even get to hear a little bit behind the scenes about how new routes are dreamed up and set on the wall at Strom. Beyond his time at Carolina, Ben also spent a summer in Missouri operating zip lines and teaching people how to water ski. And on the other end of the spectrum, he spent a winter working at a ski lodge in Vermont. Ben has seen all types of adventure, but his path has led him back home to the city of dreams, at least for now. I'm going to stop talking and let Ben tell you how that all played out. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, Ben, it's good to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, of course. So give me some background. When did you graduate from USC? So I graduated from USC fall 2020. Um, I originally was... I came in on the four-year track of graduating spring 2021, um, but with the way the coronavirus affected my college experience, I decided to graduate a semester early um, and go do some some other work opportunities. And your um, your college experience, I think, was a little different than most, being that um, you worked during college, but you did you did a little bit different jobs than I would say the normal college student does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I first came into to USC, the first thing I did was really get plugged in with the uh, with outdoor recreation. Um, and so that's through the university. Um, it's just a department that really focuses on providing the opportunity for students to be able to get um, outdoors and do adventure sports and things they really wouldn't be able to do by themselves. Yeah, yeah. So what departments do you work with in OREC specifically? Yeah, so I started out with the, the gear shop, the rental shop, which um, will, our main role was providing um, affordable outdoor adventure equipment to students. Um, so that was everything from tents to hiking backpacks to kayaks and canoes um, and everything in between, you know, cooking stoves, enos, uh, fishing poles. We kind of had kind of had the whole nine yards. Um, after that, I ended up transitioning into the rock wall. Um, and so I developed a passion for for the sport of rock climbing um, and worked there for three years. I ended up getting um, my CWI certification, which stands for climbing wall instructor. Um, and so I helped do belay tests and lead tests. And I was also a route setter. So I was in charge of kind of 
um, creating different challenges and different routes for people to try um, at the Rockwell at the Strom Thurmond Fitness Center. So the U- USC still has that program, right? The gear shop where you can still rent out equipment for um, affordable prices, right? They do. They do. It is still up and going. Um, and it's it's a great opportunity. If there's anybody on this podcast that um, is looking for opportunities, they have the gear that you can rent out and they also have trips that you can sign up for again very affordable and they have team leaders they have trip leaders that will take you um out whether it be whitewater kayaking or mountain biking or hiking um so it's a really great opportunity especially if you're just looking for a community of people that are interested in um, that outdoor adventure experience yeah did you ever lead a trip I did not lead a trip with the outdoor recreation department. Um, I was also involved in the mountaineering and whitewater rafting club um, all four years of college. And I really did a lot of my true adventuring outside of the city of Columbia through that club. Gotcha. Okay. So did you know that you were interested in outdoor recreation and kind of living outside before you came into college? To a certain extent. um, But I definitely discovered more of that passion once I got to college. Um, I grew up in North Carolina and I played sports my whole life, football, basketball, baseball. I was always outside, always running around. Um, I also really enjoyed hunting and fishing. And so um, nothing to the extent of like, hey, we're going to load up a backpack and do like 12 miles in one day, or, you know, we're going to go just throw a rope down this rock face and and try and scale it. that was a little bit different. And so I came into college after being an athlete my whole life um, and really looking for an, an outlet, a physical activity outlet. Um, and I found that through outdoor adventure. You know, I kind of stopped with my organized competitive sports. And so I started competing with myself, uh, whether it be what's the hardest rock climb you can do or, you know, what's the coolest hike you can do this weekend. Um, and so that, that's really been a fun thing for me is finding and developing that passion over the past couple of years. Uh, what was that learning curve like? Was, were you intimidated at all trying to learn like new skills? Yeah, it's definitely humbling. Um, the cool thing was like both OREC and the MWW club had leaders that I could look up to and learn from. Um, they made those experiences and that learning curve much, much easier where I, you know, I'd show up and I'd be like, I have no idea how to pack a hiking backpack. And they'd be like, here, like, let me show you, you know, you want your heavy things, your solid things at the bottom near your back. You know, you want to kind of stuff the extra stuff towards the, 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 the front side and you work your way up and always bring trash bags. So your stuff doesn't get wet and always have extra socks and you know just just like the little the tidbits of knowledge that come from experience outdoors um i i thankfully had a really strong network of people that were willing and happy to share that with me yeah so what made you transition from the gear shop to the rock wall specifically um one trip that i went on with the mountaineering club i went on a rock climbing trip with the mountaineering club um and it was so, so challenging. I mean, I was scratching and clawing my way up the wall and I loved the challenge. And I was like, this is unlike anything I've ever done before. You know, I've never felt this stimulated. I've never felt this challenged with something. Um, 
and I kind of just just threw myself headfirst into it. I got really into rock climbing. I'd be at the climbing wall three, four times a week. And um, after that semester, I approached my supervisors and I was like, hey, like, I would love to start transitioning and working at the rock wall um, in addition to just me being able to go and climb in my free time. Yeah. So you mentioned route setting at the rock wall. What is that? Tell me what that process looks like. Absolutely. Um, it's a little bit of a daunting process. Um, so what it what it includes is um, hooking yourself into both sides of the rope. Basically, um, there's two sides of the rope that come down from the anchor at the top of the wall. And so you attach yourself into both sides of the rope. And then on one side, you're using what's called an ascender. So you're pushing a device up the rope and it free slides as you push it up. And then as you pull it down, it has teeth that bite into the rope. And so it's able to give you a point that you can actually lever against and pull against and you work your way up the rope. And so as you pull yourself up, you pull slack out of your grigri, which is a belay device that's attached to the other side of the rope. And it's a continual process. Pull and pull the slack out, reach and pull the slack out, reach and pull the slack out. And so you climb, you literally climb up the rope with buckets of holds and screws and tools that you use to either take them off or put them back on the wall. Um, and from there, a lot of it is just climbing experience, being able to like feel, feel a position and be like, okay, if I want to make this a beginner friendly route, you know, I need to put a hold here. If I want to make this a difficult route and I really want to make this a, a hard move to make, you know, I'm going to push that hold three more feet up the wall or three more feet to the left, or I'm just going to change the hold so that it's harder to grip onto. Um, and so it, it, there's a lot of finesse that goes into it. And a lot of it is, um, you know, trial and error, putting a hold somewhere and be like, how does this hold feel? Ooh, I don't like that. I'm not in a good position here. Okay. Can a person that's five, two reach this hold and a person that's five, 10 reach the hold, you know? being able to tailor it to climbers of all ability levels is a really important part of it as well. Um, so we would, we tried to, we try to put up new routes monthly on the rock wall and keep things fresh, keep things interesting for, for our community of climbers around um, the USC community. Yeah. And I think something fun that we should mention for the USC community, the students who want to go climb is that, do they still do the thing where if you, if you're the first person to climb the route, you get to um, put your name next to it? They do. So they have these things called first ascents or, or first send. Um, and so basically when there's a new route created, you know, you, you, the route setter comes up with a, a name of the route. You know, you can name it literally anything you want to. Um, and then the, there's a block that's open next to it where you get to write your name down if you're the first person to send that route. Sending a route is basically climbing it from the bottom to the top without failing or falling. Um, so yes, you know, that's, that's always a really fun little competition among the climbers at USC, or if it's just your first time, you know, you can go out, you can see who's created what routes, who's gotten first sends, you know, you may see some friends' names on there, or you can aspire to one day get a first and I think Chloe you might have might have gotten the first send yourself maybe once or twice maybe once or twice <laughs> I hear you 
Yeah. So we, we know from a few other guests we've had that uh, grading is super subjective when it comes to routes. So how did you go about grading the routes that you set? Um, so one, it would be subjective on my own opinion, right? So I would set a route with the notion of setting a certain grade. Um, so I'd, maybe I would create a route and I'd be like, okay, this is going to be a five, nine. Um, so intermediate level route. Um, as I would go through that process, I'd, I would climb it repeatedly and I'd be like, okay, this move is too hard. This move is too easy. Um, and so, you know, adjusting for that. And then once I had done kind of a first rough draft of the route, I would get the other staff members' opinions. I would climb it from top to bottom myself without, you know, trying to think about where I had placed the holes and all that kind of stuff. Um, and based upon, you know, my own perception and the perception of others, we would come to the conclusion of, okay, maybe you set this to be a five, nine, but this move makes it a five, 10, or you set this to be a five, nine, but this, you know, it's too easy to be a five, nine, it needs to be a five, eight. Um, and so it's, it's, it's always really a collaborative effort, um, of being able to do it yourself, but then as of the route setter, you can never really critique your own route you know you got to be able to get the opinion of others um so you know i'd set a route to be five nine and then a lot of times i'd go back and i'd have to change it because people would be like this isn't a five nine um and so it's 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 very subjective and that's the tricky part um is just being able to find the fine balance of um having a route and saying that it's a certain difficulty and be like I believe that this is a certain difficulty and then having other climbers be like but it's not um you know it can be a little humbling or it, it honestly is just really really good feedback to to keep learning and keep progressing as as you work on your craft you know it's, it's a little bit of an art yeah it's an art form it's definitely very creative it's I like climbing because I feel like I'm solving a problem like with my mind and my body and I feel like it's really like that muscle mind connection. I, that's really why I like climbing. It really connects me to myself. hundred percent. I completely agree. You know, it's, I actually have one of my, my coworkers now that's doing his thesis on coordination and rock climbing. And it's really fascinating to hear him talk about it and how he's um, eliciting research and how he's collecting data on coordination and rock climbing in different populations of people. And like you said, you know, the advanced rock climbers, the, the climbers that have been doing this for a while, it's second nature. It's, it's, it's flow, right? You get on the rock and it's just like, you don't even think about it. It's, you're just, you're up there. And then, you know, you see beginners and they get two feet off the wall. And they're like, what is going on? Uh, because it is, it's a really stimulating, really challenging mind to muscle connection. Um, and there's nothing really like it. You know, and, that, and that's the beauty of it is it's it's something where it's a competition against yourself. Um, there's nobody else up there except you. You know, you got to you got to figure out the puzzle and you got to you can take a route that nobody's ever taken before. You know, there's there's nothing restricting you from doing any movement other than your own ability level. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes it can feel like meditation when you're in that kind of flow state, just moving along the rock. It's, it's sick. Um, I and I think I think what's really special about USC is that we do have this whole department the whole outdoor recreation department that allows students to access these things or the outdoors in ways that they never would have you know I 
was never a climber until I saw this huge three-story wall when I came to my freshman orientation. And I was like, I'm going to climb that. And then I fell in love with it. And I had always wanted to get more into hiking and backpacking and kayaking. And that's just something I never really saw. I saw it as like a huge barrier to entry. And then I worked with LREC and I was like, wow, this gear is super cheap. Or like, these people are going to lead me on their trips. And so I think that that's just something that I really want to highlight and make sure students know is available to them. Because I, I think a lot of, it's a very underutilized resource. I would say so. And I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, I think that's, the more you can get that out, um, the more people are going to take advantage of it and the more it's going to grow and the more people are, that are going to experience the same things you and I have experienced. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you didn't only kind of grow your love for the outdoors through um, LREC, you also grew through MWW, which we talked about, but then you kind of went off on your own and did your own thing in the summers. Tell me a little bit about those jobs. Absolutely. Um, so after my junior year, I got a little bit of a wild hair and I was like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go be a lifeguard again. I don't want to go work at a rock climbing gym again. I want to go, I want to push myself. I want to go experience a new area, a new environment. Um, and so there's a really cool website called coolworks.com um, that actually posts seasonal job listings all across the country all the time. So if you're looking for a seasonal job, if that's any interest to you, just pop on there and check it out because there's everything from serving jobs to fish guiding jobs to ranch jobs to climbing jobs. And um, I found two that really, really caught my attention. Um, so the summer after my junior year, I actually went out to Shell Knob, Missouri, which is in the southwestern corner of Missouri on Table Rock Lake. And my job there was I was an activity guide for an adventure resort called Stonewater Cove. So Stonewater Cove was a um, resort where people and families could come, spend time at the lake, and do an abundance of outdoor adventures. Um, so my day-to-day -day roles consisted of taking people on a five-station zip line um, that went back and forth across a valley overlooking the lake. Um, our longest zip line was a thousand feet long. You got up to 48 miles an hour. Um, and then you kind of just progressed your way down. It was super, super fun. And I took people on that pretty much every day. Um, and then I also operated the ATV expeditions. So we had 25 miles of trails going through that lakeside property where I take people on ATV tours, um, we go exploring, we go out to a point where people could jump off some cliffs and do like some cliff jumping into the lake. Um, and the last part of my job was working on the boats. So I was actually a water sports instructor where I would take out our boats and I would teach people how to wakeboard, how to water ski, I'd take them tubing, we crank up the music, we'd have a good time. Um, and then in the evenings, I did sunset cruises where we had some other boats that were more elegant, a little more um, meant for just leisure. 
and I would go on sunset cruises where I'd take people out on the lake and we'd go on a nice long ride and we'd catch the sunset and we'd come back and they'd, they'd come back with the whole resort lit up with lights and kind of that, that twilight. You got the fireflies glistening in the trees and, you know, it was just a really, really peaceful thing. And so I pretty much did all of those activities every day throughout the summer. Um, and I had the time of my life. I had so, so much fun being out there and working with other seasonal employees that had either been there for a couple of years or were like me and just popping in for one season. Um, and that really made me fall in love with, with the seasonal work environment. I, I met people from all over the country, um, from all different types of backgrounds. We were all living in a community style housing, um, cooking dinners together, having bonfires together, just just really truly experiencing life together um, for about four months. And so I came back for my last semester of college after that, um, chomping at the bit to do it again. Um, and so for my last semester of college, I worked as an assistant athletic trainer with the women's soccer team and finished up my practicum experience. I was an exercise science student. Um, so I wrapped that up all the while looking at what am I going to do this spring? Um, and so ended up graduating December 12th. I actually left before I graduated and drove up to Stratton Mountain, Vermont. So I went up to Stratton Mountain, Vermont to be a snowboard instructor for the 2020-2021 ski season. Um, and again, I spent about three and a half months living in community housing, um, being on the mountain all day, every day, um, teaching lessons to um, beginner snowboarders, advanced snowboarders. I did everything from beginner to terrain park lessons. Um, and then in my free time, I was just with all the, all the people that I had met throughout the staff and just throughout the mountain, you know, just being on the mountain all day long and then um, coming back home, making dinner, you know, kicking our feet up, hanging out, experiencing life with people that I had never really met before. And then wash, rinse, repeat, you know, doing it all over again the next day. Um, and it's a grueling lifestyle, you know, living the seasonal work environment is it's tough. You know, it's, it's a full commitment where you're out of your comfort zone and you're meeting new people each and every day. And, it's very outward facing. You know, you're always dealing with, with guests. You're always providing an experience for people. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you get to come home to a really, truly unique experience um, and you walk away from it. Very, very thankful and very, very um, humbled by the fact that you got to experience something that really nobody else gets to experience in their day-to-day -day life. Yeah, I mean, that sounds incredible. It sounds like an adventure every single day. And who doesn't want that, right? Is, so is lodging normally provided with these jobs? It depends. Um, a lot of times these jobs are in relatively remote areas. And so, again, you know, you might go on to CoolWorks and a lot of times they'll say, okay, housing is either provided or it's not provided. Um, and so, again, I, I would just say, it depends. Sometimes you'll be able to find places that provide housing for free. You know, sometimes you'll be able to find places that have housing that they take out of your paycheck 
or sometimes they'll be like, we have no housing available. You know, that you're on your own. You know, you got to go on Craigslist or you got to go on Facebook marketplace and find something nearby. Um, and so luckily for me, I was able to find on-site housing at both of my opportunities. And honestly, that was something that, um, was one of my, was a big factor in my decisions was me saying, okay, you know, I, I need to have a place that has housing. You know, I, I don't want to get locked into a lease or I don't want to have to worry about finding housing in the middle of nowhere, Missouri, um, because I'd have a 45 minute drive to work and, and then back every day. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, if that's something you're looking for, there are definitely opportunities that provide housing. Were you, I mean, going to Missouri, had you ever been there before? I had not. Were you scared? I was not. <laughs> I was stoked. Um, I had loaded up my car and I was just putting it in the wind. You know, um, I'm, I'm lucky to call myself really good friends with James and Lewis and Troy, all guys that have been on this podcast. And so, um, you know, if you listen back, you'll hear that they're all kind of come from the same mindset of just get out there and see what happens. And I was kind of the same way, you know, I had accepted this job and I had decided that that was what I was going to do for the summer. And I didn't really know much past that. And I was like, well, they got a bed for me. You know, they got a place for me to park my car. They got a job. They're going to pay me. I'll be out there and we'll, we'll figure it out as it goes. Yeah. I, I feel like that's something that is so common to everybody who kind of lives this lifestyle. It's just this sort of like blind faith that it's all going to work out, but also the confidence to go out there and, and chase what your heart wants. And I, I think that's, yeah, it's really important. Yeah, I think a big part of it is just really embracing the experience. You know, there's going to be yeah. things that are going to make you uncomfortable. There's things that are going to push you to do things you might not have done in your day-to-day -day life through college. You know, college is pretty comfy. Uh, we, we have a lot of things that, that we don't necessarily need that are, that are provided to us, thankfully, very, very thankfully through whether it be USC or our family support system or, or just, just being in a setting of higher education. You know, you're in, you're, tr in, you're truly in a unique environment when you're in higher education because everybody is very like-minded, is working towards very similar goals and um, kind of has this notion of, Oh, you know, post-grad will figure itself out. Um, so seasonal work is very much so the opposite. You know, you'll see people from every walk of life. You'll see people from every region of the U.S. And all of them have, they're there for a different reason. And so, yeah, all, all that to say seasonal, seasonal jobs will push you out of your comfort zone but again if you can just embrace that experience and be present in the moment and um, appreciate the journey you'll come out thankful for the highs and the lows yeah, appreciate the journey okay um, so what kind of perspectives were you introduced to that you hadn't seen before was there any like person in particular that you met or any story that stuck out to you there was, there was one lady in Missouri, um, and she was part of the hospitality crew 
and she was was truly amazing she was in her 50s so she had kids she had grandkids and she had been working this seasonal job for for quite a while her name was kelly um and being able to hear just the way she gotten to where she was and um, how she was going back and forth between working at Stonewater Cove and working out in Colorado, which was where her daughter was, um, and how she was truly finding joy and fulfillment in the seasonal job experience was something that you didn't see much. You know, you don't see a lot of people that have been like, yeah, I've been doing this for 20 years. Um, typically, it's kind of like a hit it and quit it where you're you do it for a couple seasons and then you're like okay i'm ready to, to look at other opportunities kelly was truly special because um, she just provided a lot of insight and and stories that she had collected from over the years and she was actually moving down to texas to start kind of settling down and living with her grandkids um, and spending some time taking care of them and being a little bit more concrete. She was actually going to start a farm and build a house and, um, you know, invest in putting your roots down, so to speak. Um, so hearing, hearing her, her experiences was something that was very encouraging to me at the time where I was like, I can keep doing this for as long as I want to and not have to worry about anything. Um, it was exciting, you know, and it, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was reassuring to know that someone like her, who was one of the purest, one of the most kind souls that I've ever met, um, was providing for herself and providing for her family and living what she believed to be her best life through seasonal work. What do you think it is about the nature of seasonal work that makes people sort of not stay in it for that long or make staying in it that long very unusual? It's hard if you try to look into the future. Um, typically, seasonal work isn't going to be something where you're going to be able to save up a lot of money. Typically, the jobs that you're doing are going to be physically, mentally, and emotionally demanding, a little bit more so than your typical nine to five. And so that that level of commitment is is hard, especially for a lot of people in today's day and age. A lot of people in today's day and age are like, I got to get a 401k. You know, I got to have an investment portfolio. I got to have a retirement fund. I got to be saving up for a house, a mortgage, a wedding ring, a car, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and if that's and if that's your situation, seasonal work probably isn't going to work super well for you. Um, a lot of times you're able to pay the bills, you're able to buy some beer, you're able to, you know, live day to day and, and support yourself, but you're not going to find the benefits of a full-time job. Again, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to um, get dental insurance and you know you're not going to be able to buy the the brand new car off the lot with with your seasonal job salary now that's that's very generally speaking obviously i'm not i'm not trying to to talk down on seasonal jobs or put all seasonal job experiences into one 
bubble. But generally speaking, um, that's just kind of kind of some of the cons. Yeah, and I mean those are important. You know, I think it it's a particular lifestyle and a particular person, and you might not always be equipped to be that person at that time in your life. And I think it's a really beautiful thing that lets people kind of flow in and out when it's when they need to you know seasonal work is there when you need it kind of thing I completely agree um and to to our audience you know that summer opportunity that one season post-grad opportunity is always there you know if it's something where you're just looking to have one last summer break or one last you know extended job where you're able to really figure out what you want to do for a career or just test the waters and be like, Hey, like, I want to, I just want to get out of my comfort zone or go live in a different part of the country. You know, this is the time to do it because you're young. You're, you have no ties to a full-time job. You know, you're, you're still in at the point where you have very little societal obligation. And so this is a really, really healthy time to be able to explore and ask those questions and, and get those experiences. Yeah, and I think it's it's also to say something that I like to say to myself and remind myself of is that you can change your life anytime, right? You can change your mind, you can change your life anytime you want. And so when, you know, I get stuck in like, oh, what am I going to do with my future? What What's coming next? It's nice to remind myself like, oh, well, if I wanted to, if I want to just go work on a trail for a few months, I can do that. If I want to go work as a snowboarding instructor for a few months, I can do that. I mean, that's not to say there's not a learning curve there, but um, the opportunity is always there if you want it. And I think that's that's really the beauty of it. I think that's a really good word. Um, I think that that's something that more people need to realize. And I think more people are actually coming to that realization with the current worldly circumstances that we're in. Um, for the past couple of years, I think a lot of people have started to realize the fabric of society is very, very... Um, Mm. <laughs> I don't want to say this. Um, the fabric of society is very, uh, it's easily damaged, you know. Um, it's something that you never really know what's going to happen next year, two years, three years, 10 years down the road. Um, and so just being able to, again, be present and being able to just worry about, okay, I'm going to do this for three months and then I'll tackle the next thing as it comes. I'll, you know, live this experience and then halfway through then I'll start worrying about what I'm going to do next. You know, being able to just absorb and be a sponge and soak up what you're doing at that current moment and live fully in those in those moments is so important. And then again, you can literally drop everything and go do something else whenever you'd like to. Um, I actually was planning on after my Vermont job, I was planning on going and being a outdoor rock climbing instructor uh, in West Virginia. There's a there's a something called a Via Ferretta, which is Italian for by iron. And it's a way for people who are not experienced in rock climbing to be able to climb up and over a thousand foot peaks, basically using metal rungs that have been hammered into the rocks with a safety system. So I was going to go do that as well as multi-day technical rock climbing trips. Um, but then I, I got a opportunity in the field of exercise science 
that I really couldn't turn down. And so it was one of those things where I had to do a quick 180 degree pivot and be like, okay, you know, I've, I've, I've been able to do this seasonal job experience for the past year. Do I want to continue to keep doing that? Or do I want to start looking at something that's going to help me kickstart my profession and my career in exercise science? Um, so after a long period of debating back and forth, I, I decided to come back to Columbia and I now work for a place called Apex Athletic Performance. Um, and that's, I've, I've loved every moment of that. I've been with Apex for a little less than a year now. I'm actually coming up on a year, April 5th, um, which I'm very excited about. And I'm going to be continuing to do that um, as I enter into grad school this fall. And so, you know, it's something where, again, I could do a 180 degree pivot in the next three months before I start grad school. You know, who's to say that I'm not? Um, but again, it's one of those things where I'm just trying to appreciate the present, enjoy my job, reflect on the experiences that I've had, and know that I'm working towards my greatest fulfillment. Yeah, you got to keep your eyes on the horizon, but your feet on the ground, right? That's what I say. Good word. <laughs> I haven't heard that one yet. I like that. Thanks. Thanks. Um, so how have the skills you've collected, right, in all of your seasonal work, your adventuring, how do they translate into more of a traditional job? I'm sure, I'm sure they carry over in some ways I don't expect. Yeah, um, I would definitely say the biggest thing is people skills. And that might sound a little cliche, but the, the skills that I obtained from working with new people every day and providing an experience where they were able to push their comfort zones and do things they never thought they'd be able to do based on the, the opportunities that we were providing them. That has been the biggest thing for me, um, especially as, as I'm an exercise physiologist. You know, I try and provide the exact same experience and the gym that I work in now, you know, all, all my athletes come in and I'm constantly expanding their comfort zones and teaching them how to do new things and just communicating with them on a deeper level of how to understand their own bodies and how to understand why they're doing what they're doing. So as a activity guide, as a snowboard instructor, I lived that every day with a new person. It was like every day you're taking a new person out, you're taking them on a zip line or you're teaching them how to wakeboard or you're teaching them how to do a 360 jump on a snowboard. Um, and so I really just obtained a lot of teaching experience, a lot of interpersonal skills of being able to relate to and connect with kids, teenagers, young adults, and geriatric populations kind of all across the board. Um, and I feel like I, I apply those skills every single day in my job. When you're teaching people to zip line, when you're teaching people to water ski, um, I'm sure there is a little hesitancy there at first. How do you get people to overcome that and, and take that jump? You gotta, you gotta operate within their comfort zone first, you know, you got to be able to get them to trust you. And so you start out really, really simple, right? And you just have to think about progressing it 
as they feel comfortable. That's the biggest thing is you're pushing them. Yes. But at the same time, if you push them too far, too fast, they're going to bail on you. Um, and so being able to, again, just find some piece of their life that you can relate to and create a connection with them and then just challenging them. Okay. Now that we've gotten these very basic skills down, just let me tweak something, try this for me. And then walking them through, okay, here's why we're doing this. This is the benefit. This is how it's going to help you. Let's try it out. Um, there's always, there's always something I like to say. It's I do, we do, you do. So whenever I'm teaching somebody a new skill, I'm going to show them how I want them to do it. And I'm going to do it verbally. I'm going to do it audibly and I'm going to do it kinesthetically so that they get whatever type of learner that they are, they're getting that stimulus. They're able to understand the skill. And then once I've done it and demonstrated the proper way to do it, then we do it together and I'll correct things that I need to correct. Or if they're doing it really well, I try not to over instruct. That's a big thing is, let them go through the learning process themselves, you know, let them figure it out. That's, that's a big part of learning a new skill is actually failing and figuring out this doesn't feel right. Why? Um, and then having them go through the process of making an adjustment, whether it be conscious or subconscious to make that, to make that movement, to make that skill easier. Um, so I do, we do, and then once they've felt like they understand what they're doing, they understand the skill, then it becomes you do. It is now something that I want you to do by yourself. Show me that you know what you're doing. Um, and so that's always a big way of me progressing people is starting small. Slow is smooth, smooth is fast, you know, start really small, start slow as they get more comfortable. And as they build up their confidence, you keep pushing it, you keep edging it. You just keep getting them to expand that comfort zone just a little bit more as they build trust and as they build that relationship with you. So then how do you take that approach and apply it to people who want to get into seasonal work or people who want to start going outside but are scared or don't know how to. Yeah. So I do, I've definitely done that and I have had a very positive experience. I have a lot of friends that have had very positive experiences with it. Um, honestly, if I think about it, I can't think of anybody that's like, I regret that decision. Um, and so I would say, you know, definitely encourage yourself to, look, you know, open your eyes, see what's out there, check out job postings, check out coolworks.com. Um, just see if there's anything that catches your eye. If there's not, then it's probably not for you. But if there's something where you're like, I'd like to try that, then throw your name in the hat, you know, just talk to someone and see a little bit more about what that's, what exactly that life may look like. Um, and again, if it's something where you get feedback and it's the right time, it's the right place, it's something where you're feeling uh, the universe or you're feeling external forces kind of push you there, 
then I would say pull the trigger. You know, one it's I would say completely just throw yourself into it, go in with an open mind, go in with an open heart, and seize the opportunity. You know, even if you even if the only thing you know is that they have a bed for you and a place to park your car, um, go out there, see what happens, and then the worst thing that can happen is you end up coming back and doing something else. Absolutely, yeah. There's 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 nothing saying. Or no, there's nobody saying that it's a lifestyle commitment. You know, it's not, it doesn't have to be something that you do for your, your whole life. Now it's an addicting lifestyle. So you may find yourself wanting to do it for a longer period of time than you originally expected. Um, but yeah, you know, there, there's always the chance to revert back to your original plan or there's always the the opportunity to go into a regular career you know there's always going to be jobs out there there's thousands of jobs posted every single day if you're worried about not if you're worried about doing seasonal work because you you think you might not get a job straight out of grads straight out of graduating don't worry about that <laughs> um your degree is not going anywhere. You know, you're still going to have your degree in three months. You're still going to have your degree in six months, a year. So, you know, those opportunities will always be there. Seasonal job opportunities are really, really hard to do once you've started your career and once you become a fully independent young adult. Um, so college, straight out of college is a really great time to do it, again, because you still don't have many societal obligations. You still have the opportunity to just go and support yourself. You know, you don't have to worry about retirement funds, 401k investment portfolios. You can let, you can put that aside for another year and everything is going to be fine. And then when you come back, nothing's going to change and you'll just be able to roll right into whatever you, you, you want to work on next. Yeah. So. You're going back to grad school, right? That's what you said? I am. So I'm going back to grad school this fall for a master's degree in exercise science. Are you still going to be working at Apex while you're going to grad school or you're coming back to that? How's that working? I am. So I'm going to be cutting back a little bit on my hours at Apex. I'll still be considered a full-time employee, um, but I'll be doing college classes in the morning and then I'll be training athletes in the afternoon. Whoa, busy schedule. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Work-life balance is definitely something that I'm worried about and really trying to maintain. Um, and so that is one of the things that I am uh, figuring out currently is exactly how that balance is going to work for me. Do you anticipate you'll still have time for adventures or is that kind of on the back burner right now? No, that is, that is paramount. That is imperative for my quality of life. Um, I, you know, it, I have some very strict boundaries and one of them is not working on the weekend. So, um, I make sure that my weekends are always free, um, so that I can get out and go to the mountains or go to the beach or even just go to the river in Colombia. You know, um, it doesn't have to be some massive ordeal, you know, for me, just being able to be outside and be present with nature is 
kind of how I hit the reset button. Yeah. Do you still go climbing a lot? I do. I do. I go climbing um, about once a month, um, depending on the season. Um, but I have some friends around here. Um, I have some friends that are across the country that I've gone climbing with. Um, and so I still truly love it. It's still one of my passions. Unfortunately, there is not a public climbing gym in Columbia. So if anybody is listening that has the funds and the opportunity to establish a public climbing gym, please do it because there is a community of climbers here that need somewhere to climb. Uh, we are very landlocked and very flat area. So I hate that I'm not able to get back to Strom. I know. Yeah. I don't understand why there isn't one considering like, I feel like there's a lot of people that climb around Columbia and there's nowhere convenient to climb. And I don't understand why somebody hasn't got on making at least like a small little like bouldering gym or something. Yeah. There's been a couple, um, startups that have unfortunately fallen through during my time in Columbia. I hear whispers about another startup coming through. Um, but yeah, you know, I truly think it's something that is taking off, not just in Columbia, but across the country. Um, rock climbing is becoming a lot more of a mainstream sport compared to how underground it used to be. Um, it's getting a lot of recognition in pop culture. It's getting a lot of recognition um, in Hollywood. And so I think now is the time, you know, I think now would be a really, really good time for a rock climbing gym to open or even just an outdoor adventure company that provides whitewater kayaking, that provides rock climbing, that provides mountain biking. We have some incredible geographical um, experiences here, whether it be Harbison State Park or it be Congaree or just the Saluda in the broad. Um, you know, we have opportunities here for people to get outside. I just don't think they've been effectively harnessed yet. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is accessibility. You know, one is not knowing about them. I don't think our um, outdoor recreation opportunities are as widely publicized um, as they could be. And I think half of that is kind of this whole gatekeeping idea of like, oh, I want to like, you know, this is my spot. But I think you know, the more the merrier in the sense that if we all respect the area and respect the land and we just want to go out and have a good time, we should be able to. Um, and I think the other part of that is not knowing or not being able to afford what kind of gear you need. And that's where, you know, OREC comes in or gear rentals or MWW, anything like that. Absolutely. And I think the more we can provide those experiences for people, the more the entire industry is going to benefit. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. So um, I think that's all I've got, unless I've missed anything. I have one more question, but if I've missed anything or you want to talk about anything else, now's your time. I think, I think that's about it, but uh, go ahead and shoot on your last question. Okay. So what would, what advice would you give freshman year Ben? That is a really good question. So the one piece of advice I would give freshman year Ben is kind of the motif of this podcast. Um, be present in the moment. I, I was very high strung and very stressed at certain points in my college career. 
because I was so focused on the future. And in hindsight, I think my life would have been a little bit more easy. I think it would have been a little bit more enjoyable at certain points in time if I just let that go and focused on appreciating and enjoying what I was involved in at that point in time, whether it be clubs or traveling experiences or class, you know, all across the spectrum, I think just being able to appreciate and enjoy what's going on in your life currently is going to make you a happier person. So that would be, that would be the one piece of advice I would give freshman year Ben. I like that, being present in the moment. Do you practice mindfulness at all? Sorry, that just like came into my brain. No, I actually practice yoga every day. Um, I practice meditation and um, that's been a, a huge part of it, actually. I took a uh, yoga class. It's called Yoga, the Art of Spiritual Transformation. Um, and it's by Daniel Stewart. And it goes through the history and development of yoga across the spectrum of time. Um, and I took that class because I had started doing yoga about a year prior um, due to just some physical pains and aches. And so I was, I, I had originally started yoga for the physical benefits, uh, but after practicing for about a year and taking um, the class offered at USC, um, I really started to dive a little bit more into the mindful and the spiritual aspect of that. Um, and so that is something that I do believe is, is integral to appreciating and um, enjoying where you find yourself at any point in time. Um, and then also just good for reflection. Uh, I found it to be a really great period of time for me to be able to um, just be still and reflect on what's going on in my life, how I would like things to change, and how I can potentially change them myself. Do you think like the whole mindful outlook on life and your journey with spirituality has kind of influenced you and made you able to make these decisions that kind of allow you to take these risks? I do. I do. I think um, again, going back to the question with freshman year Ben, I think freshman year Ben would have been uh, very apprehensive and unwilling to take those types of leaps of faith. Um, and so I think the, the practices and just the lifestyle that I've led for the past three years has allowed me to be a little bit more open to opportunities that push me outside of my comfort zone and aren't, uh, you know, a 40 year career. Although Ben is spending his days in Columbia right now, there is no doubt in my mind he'll hit the road soon enough. Thanks again to Ben for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed getting to talk about, you know, spirituality and mindfulness and how that relates to us connecting with the world around us. That was really an enlightening conversation. And thanks again to the listeners, as always. I hope you got a lot out of this episode. I hope it inspired you, and I hope you have a good weekend. Like always, you can check back next Friday for a new episode, and until then, chase your dreams, hug a tree, and be good. Bye, guys.
Before we go, our music is Bad Nostalgia by Anthem of Rain, used under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International Public License.